Here we are on another edition of This Time Around. I'm Debbie Hazelton, and with me today is a really good friend and being our spiritual director at the Spiritual Enrichment Center. Why don't you talk a little bit about what that is for people who don't know? What is that? Certainly. Uh, We are here in Dothan, Alabama, and we're the Spiritual Enrichment Center, which means we actually embrace both unity and the uh, science of mind, two great bodies of work that really to me, they're, they, they collapse on each other all the time because they, they come from the basic tenets of, of the awareness that we have that God is all. And in that allness, we find ourselves. And so we're forever moving forward and deeper, deeper into that God consciousness, uh, in terms of how we, how we live our lives. And um, a big component of that is not living our lives just for ourselves, but the awareness is that as we live stronger, better lives, we also create a stronger, better world around us. And so that attracts me, having walked around the world for peace and worked with the United Nations on different projects and um, state to state on on social justice issues. Uh, so that idea really attracts me to this conversation because the better I get, I find the better I am for everybody around me. So, uh, you know, understanding that to me has been a key component of the work that I do. And I think that's what you teach. The better any of us get, the more we uh, bring to making it a better world. Absolutely. So I know that You came into this already having been about all these other things that you've mentioned, walking around the world and United Nations work, and you've done a lot of work with indigenous people. And I wonder what you brought with you before you came to Spiritual Enrichment Center in terms of your own spirituality. Wow, that's a that's a great question. Haven't been asked that one before. That's a great, I love that question. I, I think my journey in terms of who I am and, and how I, how I choose to move in the world has a lot to do with my background. You know, I had parents who, um, could have lived their life very comfortably and not worried about anybody else, but they cho- chose to use their resources, gifts and talents to, um, assist in building community and, and very much, uh, working with the young people in our community. So I grew up in, in that setting where I didn't know it was an option not to do that. You know, um, I watched them through the civil rights movement. I watched them through just trying to, to uplift communities that changed dramatically after integration. Uh, My mother being a college professor uh, was very much into the arts and culture. So I, I, I grew up with many of the great writers of the time and, and musicians, uh, particularly in the area of jazz. So I just grew up with this sense of um, the world was ours. I was never, I never felt anything differently, but it wasn't ours just for uh, ourselves. My parents always positioned in or or set in our awareness that what we had was for the world and how we could heal the world was to bring everybody into that space of love and opportunity. So I guess that was the foundation, Debbie, for the work that I bring into the Spiritual Enrichment Center. And of course, my own journey, you know, I was a dean at a college for a while and um, very much worked with allowing opening up access for women and and people of color who didn't have access to community colleges back in that time and uh, allowing that to happen so that they could access what I always felt community colleges are sometimes some of the most unimagined resources you know it's amazing resources that are available through grants and so forth at community colleges so from an educational my work that was important and then it's always been the work with children and community and um, walking around the world. All of that brings from me to the Spiritual Enrichment Center, I think, a strong foundation in the awareness 
that when we see ourselves, really come to a point of seeing ourselves uh, as the truth of who we are, then we also begin to see all the ways we can make a difference. And, and I say that not just in a cliche kind of way. I say that in the sense of the Spiritual Enrichment Center of Dothan is centered in a very... Um, you know, it has its historical uh, prejudice and separatism, but it also has this window of opportunity, I believe, for incredible transformation. So I believe I'm in the right place at the right time to offer what I can and to learn what I can to be a better leader. I'm curious. You said that you grew up feeling that or getting the message that the world is I think you said the world is yours, it's here for you, and it's here for everyone. So it sounds like you grew up feeling that you had access to the world very early. And at the same time, I've heard you speak about racism, and and I wonder at what point that became sort of a, I'm thinking like a juxtaposed kind of something of the world is here for me. And yet, hmm, what is this thing, this thing called racism? How did that begin for you as as kind of an awareness or something with which to maybe it motivated more of, I got to make the world more for everyone else as well? Yeah, uh, again, it goes back to the time I was born into, and many of us who were born into the civil rights era. Um, I think I was about eight or nine when we were full on in, in federal North Carolina with what was happening. And as I said, my parents uh, were very, I think they were unique. I didn't realize that, you know, you never realize about your parents till you get older. But, you know, they were unique in the sense that even in the midst, they never accepted discrimination in their lives. Even my my grandfather, I don't know, I, I guess I could tell a story here. Absolutely. Um, my my fam my grandfather's roots come from a slave owner who uh was the father of seven children. And he educated all seven children uh uh from a from a woman who was enslaved uh in his farm. And he took great care to educate all seven of his children. They all went away to private school. They learned. Uh, my grandfather played violin, piano, very brilliant man. And so it's kind of interesting looking at that history and thinking, wow, how does how do you position yourself in that? I mean, there are stories from my grandfather how um, when my father and his 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 brothers and sisters they went to private school. Uh, there were black private schools at that time. Many people don't realize that this was early 1900s. And so my father's sister was on her way back to um, Palmer, where she was uh, enrolled in an, in an all black school. And uh, my grandfather went into the station to get her ticket. And the gentleman behind the gate, he went up to the with the white only gate to get the ticket and the person there said uh told him basically it ended up being nigga get behind you know go to the go where you know you're supposed to be and my grandfather who had been very patient up to that point just reached through the bar and knocked the guy out <laughs> and got the ticket um, oh, i love it <laughs> but you know the, the the funny part of that story and the very telling part of that story is there was a friend there was a uh, my my grandfather was a mail carrier so there was a conversation between two white men at the at the uh drugstore following that and the the person who worked at the drugstore said man did you hear about that nigga who knocked out that white man and so the guy said well who was that he said well, he's a black male male carrier he said well that could only be john austin williams and he says yeah that's him he said well if that guy got knocked out he needed to be knocked out <laughs> so you see the juxtapositions that happen you know race racism shows up in so many different ways and yet, on the other hand, there are also those individuals who are being examples of moving us forward. So I guess for me, in response to your question, having grown up uh, in an environment that was very historically sound and uh, very proud uh, that uh, we were never 
allowed to look a white person, you know, to look down when a white person spoke with us. We had to meet them eye to eye or we would really get in trouble. And that was, it sounds simple, but that was an unheard of thing back in the 50s and early 60s. So I grew up knowing that on the one hand, we were we we were African-American and we were held to certain things, but we lived in such a rich community of people who took care of each other um, from churches and everything that happened that I never felt that we were anything less than. What a launch pad. Yeah. You know, what a lot of great examples set for you. Kind of here's the template. Here's the template of all that's of so much that's possible of great examples. Now take this, take this out into the world. And, you know, it it sounds like it really gave you a great template of what's possible and what what is yours to do. Yes. Well, my mother enforced in all of us that anything was possible and she hated mediocrity. And so they just live the example. I mean, even, you know, I was talking in the Juneteenth, uh, not Juneteenth, in one of the uh, it was Black History Month presentation mm-hmm. about the Green Book, yeah. which was, you know, where a lot of African-Americans who traveled relied on that Green Book to know where safe places were that they could eat and rest. And just the night before I was get to give the presentation, we actually found the Green Book online that had the data on Arthur Seafood Grill, which was the restaurant my father built and they ran for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was just it was like, oh, wow, sometimes things just drop in your lap, you know? Well, you know, I have to say a lot of people don't know this. And yet some of the people who will listen do know. How you ran for office just before you took this role, the spiritual director of the Spiritual Enrichment Center. And I really think this fell into your lap because while you're not out there doing the political scene as you had run to do, um, it seems like you're doing the real work that of what needs to happen and And I know that even if some say, I want to hear something else on Sunday morning, I think that what people want to hear on Sunday morning might be in a pivotal place of change, of people really reevaluating a lot of of that. And I just think you're right on time. Mm. Well, thank you, Debbie. I appreciate that. You know, when I I first took a position as in any position you go through this, finding yourself in the position, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I reached a point one day where I said, okay, I'm here for a reason. Cause I don't think there's any accident. Right. Right. And, and I'm here to be exactly who I am. And as soon as I let go and let that come through, I feel that that then gave me um, sort of anchored me in the work that we're doing there. And um, and so I am enjoying it. We have a beautiful group of, of members uh, as well as guests who come. Uh, and I think it's so important for us to be there because we're the only church that is so open and inclusive as far as I know. Uh, and I say that because before we came to the Spiritual Enrichment Center, I think it was about 10 or, 10 or 11 years ago, uh, want the first time because we came and then we went on some walks. So it was a time, you know, it was a while before we got back. But what we went to church to church to church to try to find our church home. And, um, and, and I'm not kidding. And I, and it's sad to say this, but in so many of the churches that we went to, there was a lot of bashing, uh, on gender roles and, 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 um, I just and 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 some things that I felt were inequitable in terms of how women were treated or the expectations around women, for instance, not being able to sit on the dais because you're a woman, even if you are a preacher. Um, and so those kinds of things, they may sound minimal, but sometimes I I feel I'm put in places to stand for what I know is the truth. And um, so as I just sort of took that in, I remember the day I turned to Karen and said, Karen, I, that's it. I can't go to an, and hear another service that's putting people down for any reason. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we have to find a church that we can 
be grounded in and be authentically who we are. And so that's when we decided to come to unity. And we've been there ever since. So I think it's critical that there's a place like what we have, Debbie. And certainly you bring so much to that um, in your level of awareness and all the experiences that you've had in your lifetime. I mean, you know, we we have to help each other know and learn how we can be better together. And the more we get that piece, I think we begin to offer an opportunity for for transformation uh, in our own lives and in the lives of those around us, because I really don't feel it's just me. I think my job is to live the most authentic life that I can, knowing that God is everything and in me, and it can be expressed as you know what comes from me. Um, and if, you know, I feel that that's that's what I get to be in the world. And I think as we have a, a center or a space that we can we can work with that with each other. I think we have an opportunity to to create a world that that is uh, open and inclusive of all human beings. Oh, I really like that. And thank you for your kind words. I wonder what brought you to decide that the current book is to be the nonviolent communication. I had heard of this a few years ago. Um, but I had never really uh, gotten that book and looked at it, and I and I do have it. What brought you to choose that book? Uh, quite honestly, I I think the core for me to do that was <clears throat> we don't always we're not always mindful of how our words impact others, mm -hmm. and um, I thought it was a good opportunity for us to you know there's a, a saying in African tradition of. Uh, sometimes you have to look back and retrieve what you need to retrieve to go forward. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that nonviolent communication was a big thing. I think it wasn't it like in the early 70s on through the 80s. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of fell out uh, or you didn't hear about it quite as much. But I think that in the time that we're in, as I as I observe conversations uh, personally sure. and I look at the news and I look at what kinds of things are being put out. I, I I feel that a key for us is to have a consciousness of how powerful words can be. And so I wanted to do the nonviolent communication because I think a lot of times we hold ideas, uh, we have conversations that hurt people, and we're not aware that we've done that. You know, and so I thought it was a good opportunity for us to go back to the nonviolent communication so that we can remember to before we speak to observe, <laughs> you know, and to fine tune that that opportunity to observe from not just me, 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 but opening myself to who is that person in front of me? What has their life been been like? And what is the gift that they have for me and where is their hurt and their pain and 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 begin to have a different conversation than one that keeps us stuck well over the last few years i think we've seen certainly an increase in uh, places where there's been more violence and so i think it's very timely and one of the things that i appreciate that you bring to it is the questions that you ask uh, people who are there in the class to bring about thinking, not only what might you say differently or how you might say this or something to have a better effect, but let's look at some of the questions about, um, like you said last week, who are the bad people? And uh, what if you have these two people with this difference? I'm under the impression that you've done a fair amount of work with conflict resolution. Is that true? That is true. Uh, I've done that um, professionally and just by nature. I, I tell you, the greatest the greatest teacher was that walk for peace for four years, walking into different countries. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we would go to a particular country and some we'd get these emails or calls. Don't go there. It's dangerous. Those people are this or those people are that. And as as things would have it, that's exactly where we would end up. Yeah. <laughs> And we would have the best experiences in those so-called dangerous communities. Uh, and I think that was when I really began to root myself in 
and to the best that I can in each and every moment to be the observer, to to ask questions internally before I make assumptions. And uh, also, you know, when when we've been in countries where or cities or little townships where there was uh, there were issues, um, we could just sit and and be an instrument for change. And that was a beautiful thing to happen. I remember we were this was in the States and we were I can't remember if we were in Ohio or where, but the Unity Church was going through a major upheaval. We were invited to come and speak on the day the minister was being fired. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what how is it that we are here? But what we decided to do was go into the uh, reception room and sit and just pray while the church was going through all kinds of turmoil. And I can't tell you how many people came down uh, as the time progressed and just thanked us for holding the energy for them. So I think as we learn that our our minds, our consciousness, our hearts together are all have an opportunity to hold space for transformation uh, for the good. Even in moments like that, you know, they were able to come to a decision that was uh, the best decision I think they could have made for both the minister and for the center. And all we did, we we didn't have to know what was going on. It's no way we could have. We just happened to walk there and they invited us to speak. Uh, so we didn't have all the background, but we didn't need the background. And that's what I think nonviolent communication helps you to to kind of sift through a lot of the the conversation that we just get stuck in so that we can really begin to see what's the real thing here, you know? Uh, and so I like that. And so I've used that as a tool in working in communities. Uh, some of the projects I've done with the United Religions Initiative and the World Council of Church, churches, um, just using those skills that you learn one step at a time was the greatest teacher, I think, perhaps uh, I've had. Mm-hmm. You sure got that in your walk one yeah. step at a time. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of what you did in that church was to hold space. But did you also speak? Yes, day? I did. I did end up speaking. And um, so I think all of that together brought about a, 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 a calming environment that allowed a process to happen for the greater good. Uh, I'm not saying it was... Oh, I saved the day. No, I'm not no. saying that. I'm just saying that we, when we are called to show up in something, I've learned that if we answer the call, then that, um, you know, things happen. You know, I, I, I just believe that to be so true. It's been my experience. We have so many experience, you know, um, when we should have been in places we weren't on the walk. Um, and then all of a sudden we, we discover exactly why we're there. There was something that had to shift in that community or in us, what have you. And being present to the moment allowed us to, to have the mindset to just say, well, let's just be, you know, let's just be here now and face and then clarity comes. I think that's such an important tool, but non back to now nonviolent communication, you know, we grow up in often in very, uh, I would I would say kind of isolated communities in the sense of of our our historical the historical you know life in other words the the those who came before us but still in that bubble of of after all those are the conversations we have over and over and over again as we're growing and evolving and we I think in that space we begin we forget to listen outside of our own mindset we get stuck in those mindsets. And then uh, when friction comes, we go to the extreme, which may be not necessarily the best. Or we we close ourselves off to possibilities. My sister just wrote a book, Debbie, and the subtitle is it ta- was Taking the Disability Out of Disability, uh, Taking the Dis Out of Disability. Oh. And uh, one of the stories that she tells is how she uh, or had a lot of seizures uh, due to um, a brain injury that resulted from a very high fever, a prolonged high fever as a, as a child. And so uh, when she got married, 
Uh, the doctor told her that she couldn't get pregnant. She should not get pregnant. If she did, the child would probably be born with some kind of deformity uh, or mental, you know, mental issues or what have you. And so when Aura got pregnant, she never told anybody. And it was she was eight and a half months pregnant when she started having labor pains that they took her to the hospital and the doctor said, that's not a backache. That's she's about to deliver, you know? <laughs> and I said to Aura, I said, Aura, did you really think you didn't realize you were pregnant? She said, I knew I was pregnant, but if I had told the doctor, they probably would have taken my child, made me have an abortion. So, you know, we have to be open to the possibilities that we each are, you know, and as we grow and learn, sometimes we have to also unlearn. That's getting yes. back to what I was saying That's before. True. We have so many of redundancy in terms of what we hear as we're growing up. And it's not until we have experiences that awaken us that we realize, I got to unlearn that. I got to look at this a different way. I've got to be able to appreciate people for who they are. And that's the gift. That's well, the truth. I'm hearing you also describe that it that in lots of places it's not what you said; it's how you showed up. It's the presence of being, and a lot of listening, a lot of holding space, and um, just being that that um, container for that presence to flow through you. Mm, yeah, I think I, you're probably hitting on one of the most sens well, sensitive areas for me in terms of sharing with others is that we're not always aware mm -hmm. of the pain that people carry, mm -hmm. you know, and and seldom find a way or a person that they can truly share with. Mm -hmm. And so when we allow ourselves to be that um to show up <laughs> when we allow ourselves to show up wholeheartedly with our ears more so than our mouths and let people share and and unload and get recharged mm -hmm. um that's a powerful that's been a very powerful lesson for me debbie and thank you for bringing that forward it's not always what we do but it's how we be in mm -hmm. the world that makes all the difference well, and again, I think that's what you teach. I think that's, you keep your message pretty clear about basically how we be, how we show up. So here there are two kinds of uh, bodies of wisdom and teachings here at the Spiritual Enrichment Center, Unity and Centers for Spiritual Living. How do you see those two uh, either uh, as how do you see them differently? How do you see them working together? Well, you know, I, I tend to see that things it's it's I don't compartmentalize that much. Mm -hmm. uh, I look at the history of science of mind through Ernest Holmes. And I realized that one of the things that Ernest Holmes was really great at was synthesizing all of the practices that went before him. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, even going way, you know, way back to um, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, uh, the Kabbalah, you know, all, you know, all of the, the um, religious and mystical books that were out there, practices and so forth. And so I think my my opinion is that science of mind grew out of that that lineage that has led us to now what we call new thought. Uh, it it has been an ongoing process going to the past. I say it's not really new thought; it's returning to the to the old thought. But uh -huh. uh, I, I I believe that you I don't find a line that separates unity. And uh, in science of mind and new, what we might call that new thought, uh, because I believe that that's the, the pillar that we stand on as we continue to move forward in our inquiry and experience. I think sometimes we get so stuck on labels and defining things mm -hmm. and owning things a certain way. 
all of this. I mean, there is no, so much knowledge, um, religious knowledge, uh, religious history that we don't even have a touch with. I, I've been a part of the Worldwide Indigenous Science Network. I'm actually a board member on the religious on wisdom, wisdom, which is the Worldwide Indigenous Science Network. And um, I've been in lots of countries and communities of indigenous people. And I find them sometimes the most godly expressions I ever have is through ind indigenous uh, uh, spiritual uh, uh, practices and awareness. So I tend not to be the one to say, well, this is this and that is that. As I look at, say, for instance, the, the 12 powers, or I look at um, this thing called You by Ernest Holmes or mm -hmm. the teachings of Troward or, you know, I mean, Emerson, uh, the teachings, uh, so many, I could name so many, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Barbara King and Michael Beckwith and others. Um, I find that there's one thread and the ultimate goal of that thread is to take us, us, not from the books, not even perhaps from the words we hear, except those are stimulus for us to think better, but takes us back into our own hearts and into our own God mind so that we, we know who we are. I hope that answered the question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that's how I feel about it. That, mm -hmm. that, you know, you, on a timeline, unity came first and, and incredible, uh, teachings. Uh, from unity that were passed on uh, and uh, and all of that is the body of knowledge that makes up new thought. Well, unity does. And I think there are different factions in unity, but unity calls itself Christian. Mm -hmm. I don't think Centers for Spiritual Living does. Mm -hmm. And that uh, I sometimes I've wondered if that was kind of a business decision to help bring more people in from maybe Christianity where people knew they wanted something more. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's probably been something at different times, but um, I think yeah. there are, you know, there are people who lean more toward Christian and some who many who lean more toward something that, and I think I hear you saying more interfaith, more all inclusive, yeah. Not just leaning so much on what might be considered. I mean, Jesus wasn't really a Christian. Exactly. Christianity came after. <laughs> and, you know, in, in a lot of my work, Debbie, with um, indigenous groups and and learning about the doctrines of discovery and the Papa Bulls and so forth and in and the history of 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 the world, uh, we learned that often organized religion was used as uh, um, not the highest <laughs> level of consciousness mm -hmm. or the best for all. Um, and so I like I like being open at the top. I like being able to uh as I learn more and more about the history of religion and uh, so forth, it just opens me to be more aware that because a religion may be called one thing versus another, that ultimately the goal, the goal at its most basic level is for us all to ascend into a higher level of consciousness. Now, how we get there, I guess that's the dogma of each of each. Um, but I, I, I know for me firmly being open to, uh, an awareness of there's misuse of, re of religion and there's the, you know, the elevation, uh, that religion can give us. And um, so I just feel that being open and being able to, again, go beyond the, the dogma to look at how has this been expressed in the world is so important. And um, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to get myself I in think, trouble. <laughs> no, I, I think that's what you live and that's what you bring. So, again, there's a congruence that moves with and through you and who you are and what you bring. Yeah. You know, I think, Debbie, sometimes religion can be a big crutch for us mm -hmm. um, in the sense of not having to step out and take a risk of discovering more about ourselves. And so I just want us to be comfortable and, and to be able to think outside of the box because what's in the box 
isn't working really well right now, Mm -hmm. but what's in our heart and in our consciousness, what can be accessed, you know, that's where the answers come for how we might write this world uh, from uh, uh, an environmental concept, from uh, uh, this whole notion of of prosperity and how that's used. Um, I'm not saying prosperity is not good, but I'm just saying how such a few hold so much and, and, and those that are left behind pay such a price. So I think that we, for me, I don't tend to exclude anything from my, my religious practices and engagement. I believe that it's all a part of us learning and those who are having the, having similar questions or are just beginning to say, oh, I want to, I kind of want to have that sense of moving in that direction myself. They will find us and we'll continue to grow and to evolve. But all the teachings that have gone before us are a part of making us who we are today. So I go back from the very early on indigenous teachings all the way up through the many different uh, avenues that we have now. And when I say avenues, I'm talking about different types of churches and and beliefs. And um, to me, there's no greater love than God's love. And that's that's the the ultimate. (laughs) We have many different kinds of people who come to spiritual enrichment center. We have lots of different kinds of people who have been finding us and newer people from different walks of life. I would say in this past year, we have people who came because of A Course in Miracles. We have people who were just driving around trying to figure out where they were going to park their camper who found us who had been in around Eastern traditions and, um, and we have other people who move between some of those Eastern traditions and what we do and who never knew anything about centers for spiritual living or unity, but who, who like the energy of what they find when they come. It's not even so much as what's said or the program. It's that sense of community. Absolutely. I think there are so many people who are searching now. Um, some have, um, you know, the, the, the older, more traditional churches aren't quite serving what they, what their consciousness is seeking. And, uh, and so they've given up on church and then all of a sudden they stumble on us and, and we're, we're this new thought church, lots of high energy, lots of open, being open to the possibilities of our own exploration of who we are. I, I find that people are, are are like feeling like they just found home. You know, they just came home. They can be who they, who they are. They can express and, and feel good about it and find like-minded people. So I'm grateful we're in the community. I'm grateful that we continue to leave our light on. And so that all those who are, coming in. I think we're seeing also in in our community uh sort of a coming together of of people who are moving down here who've been exposed to different lifestyles and different uh values and some of the old school here that are still trying to hold on. So those two forces, those two opportunities are meeting each other. So what that's why we need nonviolent communication so we can learn how to communicate and embrace each other uh and because it's going to take us all but but the good news is that we are ex- we I'm seeing an expansion of that concept of what religion is and how how I can participate in that that's what I'm hearing from people those that you mentioned even mm-hmm. you know what a breath of fresh air it was to be there and they felt good about themselves and having a place to be and well, to express and I think it comes down to community too a spiritual look, com- definitely community look at the the number of people who go out to eat several different weeks it used to be one week out of the month they would go somewhere and those who ended up showing up, okay, they, you know, we, they, or we would kind of tag along and be there. And now, my gosh, it's <laughs> several weeks out of the month that yeah. we all end up 
out there, you know. That's right. That's right. Same in fact, I, one Sunday I count there were 15 people. I was like, my goodness, this That's is beautiful. great. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah. yeah. And then the numbers of people that love to come to Wednesday night class. Mm-hmm. And 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 some of them are people that I never thought they'd sign up for Des's class, but there they are. There are, right. are a few people. Yes. Who signed up for her class that I don't know if they've been to any. Exactly. But there they are. Yeah. And so, you know, that that is interesting because it says people really are wanting more. They're wanting more uh, of the community, places to share, places to talk, listen, be, learn. But they're wanting something more than just a place to go on Sunday morning that, you know, I mean, I can remember people that would go to church and then, you know, the first word out of, I remember riding to church with somebody many years ago, and I was really moved by what was talked about. And the first words out of this person's mouth was, let's see now, where did I park the car? You know, it was like, let me go and do what I, let me go and do my duty. I can say I, I was there, but were you moved? And, or what did you, what did you feel from it? What did you think about from it? And I think um, people are looking for more avenues to, to think and feel and express and, and feel like a part of something because there's a lot out there that, can leave people to be in a sense of feeling like they don't belong anywhere. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think as we continue to leave our light on, leave our doors open on, on those days that we are together, we're, we're going to grow um, because there's a, a need. I think that we uh, people connect with at the center. There's, you know, it's just, as you say, everything around us is showing us that. And so as we get better and better at what we do in terms of just opening that door wider and wider, communicating with with all segments of our community and just being that inviting lighthouse uh, so that people know there's a safe place to come and to share and to have an experience with a like minded community. So we'll keep doing that, Debbie. Are there any new projects on the horizon for you? Because I know that you are always working on so many things on many levels. Well, um, I, I would like to mention with the Spiritual Enrichment Center, we have our Arts Alive coming up. And that just gives people an opportunity to have to have and live their artistic expression in community. So, you know, that's one thing I'm real excited about comes up in April. In my own personal life, I'm working on a project that will culminate in 2026, uh, where we are taking a a, a voyage a ship across the Atlantic uh, from Mobile Harbor, where the Clotilda, the last known ship that brought Africans to America, although they did it illegally six, five years before the end of slavery, they brought 110 uh, Africans uh, from Ouida in Benin, Africa. And uh, so we are, and then we're going to sail from there back to uh, Benin following the trail of the Clotilda go up the west coast of Africa, and the young people who will be involved will be 21 to 28. They are going to be selected, and they're going to be doing science projects and technology and engineering projects and art projects along the way to tell the story that unfolds in them as they are connecting with that part of history, that going back to retrieve what was lost and coming coming back and bringing it back home with them. So I'm really excited about it. It's called redemptionvoyage.org. You'll be hearing more and more about it as we get beyond the development phase and into the actual selecting of the of the young people and uh, doing the work with um you know, with different areas from we'll end our journey back in the United States in um, Fort Monroe, Virginia, which was where the first ship came that brought Africans to America in 1619. So it's a it's it's an amazing journey. Um, it's bigger than anything I've ever been a part of in terms of of the um, getting the resources and 
uh, all the components in place and getting a ship and, and all of that. So uh, I look forward to that happening, Debbie. I'm really having an amazing journey so far, just uh, everything that I'm learning. And we have our first public event, April 14th, down in Africatown in Mobile, which is the town where many of those Africans who came originally from uh, from uh, WIDA here uh, during the Clotilda, um, you know, on the Clotilda, generations later, they still have a town that they, after slavery, called Africatown. And so we're going to be going there for our big opening press release kind of thing this uh april so it's very exciting and um just i i can't i can't say enough about it it's, it's a wonderful project wow so all of that and this the uh spiritual enrichment center and then i know you're always busy with a lot of things in the community that i have a feeling you were doing before and would be doing anyway even <laughs> if this right. hadn't happened they're yeah. just who you are. I believe that as we live and breathe and express ourselves and be ourselves, that I know if I were in that situation, I sure would want somebody to open up an opportunity for me. We certainly had enough of that on the walk. We never went without a place to stay. And you got to remember, we had no money. But no matter what happened, we were always with a home, with a family, with a community. And um, so I just I just. You know, Karen and I just live our lives to allow to do what we can to help others get their footing and to move on. That's just who you are. That's what you do. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to address that you want to get in? Ah, you've been pretty thorough. Um, No, I, I just, you know, I'm just grateful to have an opportunity to just sit and have a conversation with you because you've always been, um, You're just amazing, Debbie, you know. I want us to do more. I want us to do more (laughs) of this and, you know, off off air, on air, whatever. I want us to to do more. You are a wonderful influence. And I like the fact that you you bring, you will ask questions. And I don't even know if you're aware of it. I think you do it on purpose, which is a good thing. You will ask questions and use your sense of humor to get people to to think outside of the box. I know you, lady. <laughs> and that I love that. I love that because I see people at first laugh and then all of a sudden they go, hmm, there was more <laughs> to it than that. You know, and I'm like, yes. You know, when they get it, they get it. I, I love that. I think that's such a gift that you have. Thank you. (laughs) Such a solid stance that you take for what you believe. I I don't even know. I probably don't even know that I do it all the time, but thank (laughs) you. (laughs) But that's what I love. Increasingly, we're doing it together. It's pretty amazing. It's kind of like when people uh, are at a party and somebody starts a story, they give a line and then somebody else adds to it and then somebody else adds to it. And it creates this beautiful, beautiful um, something wonderful. And, you know, I really think that's what we're doing. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Um, I feel like we're, we're going to probably be opening up to even more expression Yes, because I find there are people who are saying, well, I want to go over here to the Buddhist temple and I want to go to the, you know, something Mm -hmm. else. And I feel like the more that we add even more to who we are and what we bring and what we do, um, the better Then we have even more under our umbrella. That's it. I think most of us somewhere deep inside of us know that the world is so much bigger than then we can even imagine and we start to open up and allow ourselves to, you know, to, to just have different experiences and engage in different opportunities. I think what we do is we then start to really see the world around us and we get to see people in a new and loving way. So I think that's a great thing. And and I, I I'm like you, I expect to see more and more of that because the world is a different place. I like I like, it's it's it has emerged to its next its next uh, level of um, opportunity, and this is a great time for us to 
uh, be mindful and to make good decisions and uh, do the best we can in our own lives and in the lives of all those that are a part of become a part of our circle and everybody in the circle just takes us to another space as you say so you imagine one-on-one having that expansion but what about 25 and yes. on one you know what yes. i mean it's yes. just it's just yes. and, and that just multiplies uh uh tremendously well and a I big hope- thunder a big thunder not that one big thunder yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i hope you keep doing your presentations like you did at the library recently i want to see those recorded and up on YouTube or Facebook or wherever. You have so much to teach about racism and about um, all those Black people who invented things. You know, there was so much. You have so much to teach about um, what, what has gone on and more of what it is that we all need to know to bring the fullness of who we are into the circle. And so I hope you do more teaching. I hope you allow that all those stories to be a part of, whether they're a part of whichever day of the week, I hope you keep on teaching and showing and, and, you know, bringing those presentations and that they get recorded and posted. Oh, thank you so much, Debbie. We'll we'll work towards that as well. <laughs> All right. And do you want uh, any contact information to be given? Sure. Um, if you are interested in learning about some of the projects I'm involved in, you can always go to AudreyScottWilliams.com. Uh, uh, that's my personal website. And that's A-U-D-R-I-S-C-O-T-T Williams dot com um it's not always immediately updated because we're moving kind of fast and i'm slow (laughs) uh but uh also you can visit um our landing page redemptionvoyage.org and you can uh get a sense of what we're all about and what we're doing from that and of course the spiritual enrichment center secdothan.org also has a lot of information about who where we've come from and where we're headed. And um, I think you get a good sense of our community there as well. And then we do Facebook Live. All of our services are on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 o'clock. Uh, and so That's we'd love to have you join us. Yeah, yeah, in Central Time. And then on Wednesdays, uh, we have our classes uh, from 6 to 7.30 and uh, Desmond Clark, our licensed practitioner and minister, is also teaching a class that is uh, a Saturday class. And um, so I see that we will be evolving. And of course, we do A Course in Miracles every Sunday. And I just got noticed that we are putting up a, a Facebook page on that class to engage more conversation. So you'll find a lot going on in our community. So don't hesitate to reach out, you know, on a Sunday or anytime and uh, be connected with the work that we're doing. And on your other pages that you mentioned, are there links to contact you? Yes, there are links to contact me. Good. Yes. Good. And you can always, my name is kind of branded. So Audrey Scott Williams at gmail.com is okay, my good. email that you can also contact me at. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this with me today. This will be on the podcast feed and it will be on YouTube and I will share it out to Facebook and give it to you so you can post it wherever you want as well. All right. Thank you so much, Debbie. I appreciate it. One day you can teach me how to do all that fancy stuff you do. <laughs> you already know. You are so good with tech. Oh my gosh. Hey, I'm just, oh, yeah. I'm just a student. I'm All just right, a, I'm a geekette. You're a geekette. Okay. Yeah. All right. We probably make a good match so you can <laughs> show me some of the tricks of the trade. Mm. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for allowing me to have an opportunity to share this space with you. Oh, thank you for being here. <laughs>